2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: Oh, yeah. What's going on, DMV? You know who it is. Youngest in charge movement. Linnell Willingham here with you live and local on 106.7 The Fan and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. Ride with me. And to take you up to 10 o'clock tonight before we hand things to the JR. Sport Brief Show, plenty to get to here in the next three and a half hours. We'll have a couple guests stop by the program before we say goodbye. Logan Thomas, the sideline reporter for your Washington Commanders, set to join the program. He'll give his thoughts and analysis on the Commanders' preseason opener. Uh, Plus, he'll give us a preview of what he's going to be looking forward to uh, when the fellas travel to Baltimore tomorrow for their joint practices with the Baltimore Ravens. That coming up at 8 o'clock when Logan Thomas joins the program. Top of the 9 o'clock hour, our pal who covers the National Football League for SB Nation, Mr. Mark Schofield. He's set to join us at 9. We'll take a spin around the National Football League and look at all of the hot-button topics from week number one of the preseason. I want to start things off on the hardwood, though. A couple of months away from the finals officially being in the books, we had the NBA Summer League free agency past this. We got James Harden threatening to bring out the fat suit one more time. We'll get to James Harden before we get out of here as well. But this weekend, this weekend, one of my favorite weekends in all the professional sports, and it's crazy. I didn't realize it, that it's happening in consecutive weekends with the NFL Hall of Fame ceremony. The NBA putting guys in the Hall of Fame this weekend, and it was definitely special to watch. A couple of guys that, really all the guys that were inducted into 2023 class, all of them I watched growing up. And for your boy, I go by the youngest in charge rule, but I kind of felt old. Not gonna lie. Not gonna lie. Kind of felt old watching Greg Popovich get inducted into the Hall of Fame. Felt old watching Pal Gasol be inducted. It was just, it was weird. It was weird. I got emotional watching it though because I understand, I feel like more than other people maybe, sports, right? These guys are athletes, but they have lives as well. And all we see is the finished product. We see. Pau Gasol being one of the best foreign players ever. We see Greg Popovich being one of the best coaches ever. But a lot of the times, we don't get to hear the story of how they got here. Dwayne Wade, inducted. First ballot Hall of Famer. Somebody who will go down as one of the greatest two guards in the history of this game. He had a special moment this past Saturday night with none other than his father.
1: We had the same exact dream. And we carry
0: the same exact name. Dwayne Tyrone Wade. To know we hustle all the way to the Basketball Hall of Fame is God's will. So Pops, I know your knees are a little sore,
3: but will you join me on stage as we take our rightful step into basketball heaven. one right here this one is for my father i love you and i'm thankful for you i love you too man we are in the hall of fame dog moments don't get much better than that man my favorite line of the weekend we are in the hall of fame dog man just think about it all the blood sweat and tears that goes into being a professional athlete and then to get the opportunity to to share that special moment with your father, man. It was awesome. Uh, and credit to Dwayne Wade and his pops, man. Peeling the curtain back a little bit for us and uh, giving us a feeling of it, man. NBA was great this weekend. Got to see the Hall of Fame ceremony. We'll play you uh, the best of Greg Popovich. We'll let you hear uh, from Paul Gasol and Tony Parker as well before the show concludes. But I want to take things to the diamond here for a second. And we talked about this. Me and Doc Walker talked about this. And we were filling in for Grant and Danny. Uh, About a week and a half ago, man. I'll be honest with you. I am a little bit late to the Shohei Otani party. And it seems like every time I get an update on this cat, he's out there doing something that no one else has done before. Shohei Otani saving the Angels this weekend, avoiding the sweep against the Astros. He hit his 41st home run of the season. Take a listen
4: was a high drive, straightaway center field. Back forward is McCormick at the wall. That is gone and way gone. On top of the batter's eye, it's straightaway center field. Shohei Otani has clubbed his 41st home run of the year. And that's his 21st home run versus non-fastballs.
2: thought this is going to be a good at-bat because it's going to make him stay back against the lefty. And Shohei.
3: Shohei Otani, man, first home run since August the 3rd, and uh, as you heard the announcer say right there, man, his American League-leading 41st home run uh, puts the Angels up over the Astros 2-1. They avoid the series sweep, and it's interesting because there was some controversy going on uh, about Shohei Otani, the pitcher, because, right, they're two different players, Shohei Otani, the, the batter, and Shohei Otani, the pitcher, two different, uh, two completely different entities, and Shohei going to be forced to miss his next start because of some elbow soreness. And the big conversation heading into yesterday was how was the elbow soreness going to affect Shohei at the plate? <laughs> Shohei Otani not bothered at all. When to keep things on the diamond. the Washington Nationals uh, playing good baseball as well. Uh, they won in dramatic fashion yesterday. Jeter Downs uh, with the walk-off single, man. it was uh, It was thrilling stuff to watch. And, it's crazy. We should, should now start referring to the Nats, right? It's the cardiac kids. All weekend long, it felt like they had a flair for the dramatic. Saturday, K-Bear Ruiz hits the game-winning homer, the first pitch of the ninth, and the Washington Nationals, man, playing good baseball. And I feel like every time we talk about this group, I feel like a broken record. You can literally go back and record every Nats segment that I've ever done, and I say the exact same thing. For a group... That was supposed to lose 100-plus games. They're on fire post-All-Star break. The Nats, 19-12 since July 8th. It's best in the National League East and third best in the National League as a whole. And when you look at the state of the franchise right now, a potential sale coming with this group. But all the requisite pieces are in place, it feels like. You got a good general manager, Mike Rizzo. You got a well-respected guy in the dugout and Davey Martinez. This group, which just pretty much entered a massive rebuild, the fact that really in just a year and a half, they're already this competitive and now have one of the most prized farm systems in all of baseball, uh, it's definitely exciting. Chris, if you got the pitch, or if you got the home run from Saturday, man, K-Bear Ruiz with a flare for the Dramatics.
4: K-Bear okay, Ruiz leading all first pitch to deep right field. This is way back. This ball is going, going, going. Good ball. goes k Ruiz on the first pitch from Lucas Urzag. With his 14th home run of the year, an absolute rocket into the Nationals' bullpen and a curly W's in the box as the Nationals await to mob k Ruiz, dumping him with a bucket full of water and Gatorade at home plate. And the Nationals celebrate a come from behind. Walk-off victory over the Oakland Athletics. A Curly W's in the books. The final score, the Washington Nationals 3,
3: the Oakland Athletics 2. That was from Saturday. Fast forward to yesterday afternoon. Jeter Downs capping off a six-run ninth inning with an RBI single that put the Nats on top of the Oakland Athletics 8-7, to seven, giving them their third sweep in their last seven series.
4: Now sneed to the belt again. It'll be another 3-2 pitch to Jeter Downs. The kick, and here it comes. Breaking ball, line drive, left center field. It's a base hit. It's a base hit. Here comes the winning run to score in Dom Smith, and they're racing out to Bob Jeter Downs. He has fired his batting helmet 50 feet in the air. The curly W's in the books. And if you walked out of this park, Sometime before the bottom of the ninth inning, you blew it. The <laughs> Curly W's in the books on the oh, first man. hit of the year for Jeter Downs.
3: Shout out to Charlie Final Close score and with Jackson six runs home on the moment. call, man. A little bit of history made yesterday as well. It was the first time the Nationals have ever come back from a five-run deficit in the ninth. Well, first time since 2019 when they scored seven to beat the New York Mets uh, by a score of 11-10. Yeah, so I saw that this was the first time that the A's have lost a game when leading by five runs or more in the ninth inning out of 1,193 attempts. This is the first time they've lost in that situation. That is absolutely crazy, and it just speaks to how hot the Washington Nationals are right now, man. Speaking of hot, we don't spend a lot of time talking about the WNBA, but I am just a hoop head until I die, really. And it's really not even just about me being a hoop head. I respect greatness. Yesterday, Brianna Stewart in the New York Liberty, winners a six out of their last ten. What is the six in a row? Excuse me. Ten out of their last 11. Brianna Stewart, check this out, Chris, scored 42 points yesterday. 30 of those things coming in the first half. I believe she was 6 of 10 from beyond the arc. The New York Liberty with a record of 24 and 6. They just knocked off the WNBA's best, the Las Vegas Aces, last week. So, shout out to Stewie in the Liberty rolling right now. Wow. Absolutely incredible. It's It stinks that we didn't, we didn't get to talk more about the WNBA. There was a couple of record-breaking performances over the weekend. We talked about the Aces, who the Liberty beat uh, this past weekend. Aja Wilson going for her career high this weekend, 40 points and 12 rebounds. It stinks. It was against our Washington Mystics, who also saw the return of Shakira Austin this weekend. So that is your nail underscore BCP WNBA update. You all know how I get down to the people show. Tapping with me all show long, one of three ways. MGM National Harbor List of Lines, wide open. 1 800 636 1067 is the number. You can tweet at me as well. It is at N E L L underscore BTP. When we come back, as we do each and every episode here on Overtime, it's time for Nell's Quick Clicks. There was a movie that I grew up loving that I found out this morning was all a lie. I'll let you hear more. Just getting rolling here on this Monday night edition of Overtime. It's the youngest in charge movement. Linnell Willingham taking you up to 10 o'clock before we hand things over to the JR Sport Brief. Coming up in about an hour and five minutes of how Logan Paulson, the co-host of the Odyssey Take Command podcast with our own Craig Hoffman, he is set to join the program top of the 8 o'clock hour. He will recap all things Washington commanders and give his thoughts and analysis from preseason week number one and We'll also, asked the big fellow what he's looking forward to seeing uh, in the commanders' joint practices against the Baltimore Ravens this week. Teased it going into the last break. We got a heck of an installment of Nell's Quick Clicks tonight. Let's go.
4: Here's Nell's Quick
3: Clicks. All right, now, normally when we do Nell's Quick Clicks, I try to come with you with a funny, lighthearted story or someone doing something crazy. We've had, we talked about Subway paying someone free Subway for life to change their legal name to Subway. Uh, we've talked about the, the flights to space, the commercial flights to space, 450 bands a person. We get hot and heavy here in those quick clicks. But tonight, we got to go the more serious route. And I'm totally disappointed by this because I really don't understand how this situation went as wonky as it did for as long as it did. So retired NFL star Michael Orr played for the Baltimore Ravens, was the star of the hit movie, The Blind Side, co hosted and co starred by Sandra Bullock. She did a hell of a job in that movie. And it was all based upon this family adopting Michael Orr, who, let's call it what it is, rough upbringing, parents wasn't in his life, but this massive kid at six foot six, 300 plus pounds, feet like a ballerina, you knew that he had the potential to be a great football player. And the way that the story is told in the movie is basically that, you know, this family found Michael, and they adopted him, they cared for him, they let him into their home, and eventually he ended up going to their alma mater, Ole Miss. Now, what we're finding out today, (laughs) and I don't even mean to laugh at it, it is just, it's nuts. There's a petition That was filed in Shelby County, Tennessee. That alleges that Sean and Leanne Toohey. Who took Michael Orr into their home. It alleges that they never actually adopted him. And I was like, huh? What do you mean they never actually adopted him? That's what the whole movie is based off of. Them adopting Michael Orr. So the petition alleges that. The Tooheys, instead of adopting Michael Orr. They used their power as conservators. To strike a deal that paid them and their two birth children, who are stars in the movie, millions of dollars in royalty from the Oscar-winning film. And Check how much this thing grossed. It's I, one of my favorite movies as a kid growing up. But I didn't realize it grossed over $300 million. $300 million. Guess how much of a Michael saw allegedly. <laughs> Zilch. Zero. It is so crazy. And the legal filing has a quote from Michael Lord, his representative. It says Michael Lord discovered this lie to his chagrin and embarrassment in February of 2023. So, a couple of months ago, this situation was brought to the forefront, and big Michael Lord was able to find out what was going on. We're now in August, and this thing is just now hitting the courts. Just shows you, man, the sense of urgency that the courts use in certain situations. But when he learned that the conservatorship, to which he consented to when he learned that it wasn't actually him being adopted. He was upset about it. The relationship is now soured as expected between him and the Tui family. And it, it honestly, and honestly is crazy because when you read the quotes from the Tui family, they're acting like, they don't know what the hell is going on. It's a quote from Sean Tui. We're devastated. It's upsetting to think that we would make money off of any of our children but we're going to love Michael at 37 just like we loved him at 16. I don't know much about the legal system and the way things work, but when a movie wins an Oscar and grosses $300 million in profit and the star that the damn thing gets nothing, something shady. Now, I'm continuing to do more research into the topic and it's crazy because, and I pointed this out on Twitter today, and I wasn't trying to be funny at all when I said it. It always felt like whenever Michael Lord took a picture with the Tua fam, the Tui family and whenever you know he was being honored, even at Ole Miss, even in the NFL on draft night, he never looked happy. And it may be one of those situations where, you know what? He may have known what was going on the whole time. He didn't have the courage to speak up. And speak out against these people that have done so much for him. It's it's really a sad situation. And I feel like there's folks out there that can relate to this. Man, the the adoption game and, and the, the ill will that folks have and, and in these situations. And people using kids pretty much. And this isn't necessarily what happened in this situation. But when you hear about this, it sheds a light on all the shady stuff that goes around when kids are getting adopted. I just the thing that I'm blown away by is the detail that I feel like everyone's taken aback by. To gross, to gross three hundred thousand dollars on a film, and for the star of it to get none, it it all sounds like shady business, man. We'll talk about this in a little bit more detail in the nine o'clock hour uh, when we're able to do some more research on it. But wanted to bring this to you all the nails quick clicks because I, I I honestly am taken aback, and part of me can relate to this, but luckily. When I dealt with my situation as a kid, I wasn't dealing with shady people. I was dealing with my actual family. So, shout out to Michael Orr, man. Finally, you know, growing the strength and the courage to speak out against this. And I hope that some type of court order or some type of document allows him to reap some of the benefits of this great movie. We'll take a quick time timeout. We come back. Top of the 7 o'clock hour. It's time for Linnell's lead line. My top story of the night. A little teaser for you. A Washington Commanders 1-0 during the Josh Harris era. All that more next here on The Fam. Welcome back. It's overtime here on 106.7 The Fan and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. Coming up in about 45 minutes or so, our pal Logan Paulson is set to join the program. He'll give us his thoughts and analysis from the Washington Commanders' Week 1 victory over the Cleveland Browns preseason. Week 1, that is. Speaking of the National Football League, running back market getting active this afternoon. Ezekiel Elliott, former Cowboys running back, We all thought he was going to end up back in Big D. That did not happen. About an hour ago, Ezekiel Elliott putting pen to paper with the New England Patriots. He's going to be splitting carries with Ramondre Stevenson come the fall. And saw it on Instagram yesterday or or earlier on Twitter today. Ezekiel Elliott cut his hair. Might mean we're getting the old Zeke back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, one running back to sign, the other marquee back to sign, We were just talking about it here in the bullpen about 30 to 45 seconds ago. To the chagrin of myself, Dalvin Cook taking his talents to the New York Jets. You know what this situation feels like, though? It feels very similar to that 2000, and what was it, 2010? That dream team of the Philadelphia Eagles with Namdi Asumwa and Finch Young, and they had everyone you can have, and they still. Wet the bed. I feel like that's going to happen with the New York Jets. I feel like the offensive line isn't strong enough to hold up for 17 weeks. But we'll see. I do know this. It's a hell of a running back tandem with Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall. I'm still not
4: convinced they're the best in their division.
3: No. I wanted him to go to the Dolphins, Chris. I wanted him to go to the Dolphins because, to me, that would have been the move to set this group over the top. And then you know how Kyle or how Mike McDaniels, Runs his offense. He comes from that Shanahan coaching street The running back position, vital in that offense. They use him as a runner and as a pass catcher. Dalvin Cook would have checked every box for that group. But unfortunately, as we just mentioned, Dalvin Cook going to the Jets. And he got the bag to do it as well. One year, the deal could be worth up to $8.6 million. I wonder what Saquon Barkley thinks about the bag that Dalvin Cook just got. Right now, though, want to get to Linnell's lead line.
4: For our top story in other news, news more news, the biggest breaking news story this town has ever seen, Lanell's lead line.
3: The big story from the weekend, unless you were living under a rock Friday night, got to be here in studio watching the old burgundy and gold. We had an hour and 16 minute rain delay before things officially got kicked off. But when the action finally got underway, I'm not going to lie, I was totally impressed. By what I saw from the offensive side of the football, I thought Sam Howell went out and checked every box you could possibly check in the preseason. Wasn't flawless by any stretch of the imagination, but the mistakes that we saw from Sam Howell on Friday night, I think is just a result of him not having a ton of experience. The result of him having one career regular season start. The result of him being the third string quarterback all year long. The one play that everyone's crushing Sam Howell about. I don't want to say people are crushing him. I kind of gassed it a little bit. But but the play that people are, you know, over-evaluating, I would say, is the sack that he took on a delayed blitz that ends up coming from the secondary. Sam Howell, forced to hold on to the football a little bit longer than he wanted to, ends up taking a sack, putting Washington behind the chains. And you know what? Everyone wants to blame Sam Howell for that sack. You know who I blame for that sack? Ron Rivera. I blame Ron Rivera for that sack because you, if, if you wouldn't have been dumb enough to sit him on the bench for 18 weeks last year, maybe he would have been able to see a variety of coverages to this point, and maybe he would be able to understand that, you know what, I got a free rusher coming. And I feel like that sack really speaks to the bigger issue that we're going to see with Sam Howell during the regular season. I don't think he's going to have any problems with accuracy. I don't think he's going to have any problems with ball placement. We saw his mobility on full display Friday night. But the one thing... That you cannot coach up is experience. Quarterback to me, you got to have trial by fire, so to speak. Because guess what? You're going to play some tough defenses this season. And the blueprint is already out. Blitz Sam Howe. Show him coverages and blitz packages that he hasn't seen before. And you'll force him to hold on to the football. You'll mess up the timing of this Washington Commanders West Coast offense. I want 110% expect the problem that happened Friday night, to resurface during the regular season. You can bet your bottom dollar it will. And once again, not Sam Howell's fault. It's the coaching staff's fault. Because if you really, really wanted to see what this guy had, you wouldn't have kept him on the bench until week 18 last year. Point blank, period. Sam Howell, though, like I said, hell of a performance uh, during his week one preseason game. 9-12, 77 yards, and a touchdown to Jahan Dotson. The new QB one in Washington spoke about his performance Friday night in the postgame.
5: How'd you feel? Jeez. We asked the question the same <laughs> way, too. Yeah. Um, no, I thought, was, I thought it was good. Definitely definitely did some good things out there as an offense. Um, and Definitely some things that we can we can improve on, but I think overall it was good. It was good to get out here in, in a new system. Um, I thought the communication was good. He did a really good job, and there's a lot of things that I, I'm proud of tonight. Generally, what was your comfort level just with the system and everything? Yeah, I felt good. Um, you know, I, I knew the plays we were going to call, you know, we kind of keep it simple in the preseason and I mm-hmm. felt really good about the plays we we're going to call and I feel like I did a pretty good job from an execution standpoint. Um, so I went into the game with a lot of confidence um, mm-hmm. and I think that I think my comfortability showed tonight. What do you feel like you made the biggest strides from the end of last year to now? Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing is, you know, it's a new system. Um, and mm-hmm. so you got to kind of change your mindset from a decision making standpoint into learning new concepts and learning how to tie your feet to those concepts and trying to make good decisions in practice and then turn it over into the games. Um, I think I've come a long way just from my knowledge of football and understanding what we're trying to do on offense and what the defense is trying to do to stop us, um, so I would just say mentally for sure. Were there moments or plays where you felt that you know mental growth advancement? Yeah, I mean, I think there was there were some times where I, I could tell a team was pressuring one way and I could slide the protection too. Um, Two of those blitzes, um, obviously, we had the one sack. With I, I should have got the ball out on that one. Uh, but there was def- definitely fine. I could just see what they were in. Obviously, it's more simple in the preseason. Um, so I'm sure it'll get harder as we move forward. Were you hot on that play? Uh, which one? On the on the sack? Um, yeah, I'd have to go back and look at it. I think I ended think I up being hot to the field. The hot guy ended up not getting to me, though. But I think I would have been hot on that one. Yeah, can you walk us through the two play sequence where you hit Cole Turner for that 13 yard pass, and then you got Jahan for the touchdown? Yeah, uh, so it was fourth down, um, so I knew kind of at the play we called if they if it wasn't there, I knew I had to try to go get it on my with my feet. Um, and so that's, the defense did a good job covering the concept we had, and so I just tried to get out of the pocket and make something happen. And Cole did a really good job just just getting open. Um, and we we practiced this practiced the scramble drill a lot in practice. Um, if you guys are out there, you probably see that we scramble a lot. Um, and Cole did a good job, and then on the touchdown, Jahan just went a great route. Um, we knew we were gonna get man coverage, and we knew that's a route that Jahan's really good at, um, and he killed him and made, made my job easy. Could you feel the that you guys had practiced kind of being backed up in the situational practices when you were in the second drive? Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely practiced those situations. Um, and we, we know those situations are gonna come up in games, obviously, we would like that. Outcome to be a lot better, um, but there's definitely some stuff that we can we can try to learn on. But we have practiced that situation; we just didn't do a good job How was the general operation with EB? Yeah, it was good. Uh, I thought he he did a good job of communicating with us and getting the play calls in early enough to us. Um, and I thought it was clean clean all night long. Um, not only for me, but for Jacoby and Jake as well. We had no misunderstandings or anything like that. No play calls that got jacked up. So he, he did a great job. Was it different having your OC with the sideline than up in the booth? Um, not really. Um, just because last year with Scott, I really only got one game playing with him up top. And in college, O.C. my O.C. was on the sideline, so it's pretty much what I'm used to.
3: Gotcha. All good. I think we're we good. The new one of the Washington Commander Sam Howell talking post game, and I'll be honest with you. Going into Friday night, obviously the two number one things that all of us as fans we're looking to see. How does Sam Howell perform? How does the offensive line perform? Once again, I think Sam Howell checked every box on Friday night. I think dating all the way back to week 18 against Dallas, to this point, he's passed every test this coaching staff has given to him. Right now, it's about him gaining valuable experience so we don't see the mistakes that happened on Friday night resurface. Because that's all it is. I don't I don't blame Sam Howell for the sack. I blame the lack of experience. He hasn't seen a whole bunch of coverages because he didn't play last year. So like I said earlier, those mistakes, those coverage sacks are going to continue to happen as the regular season progresses because guess what? You had a couple of mastermind defensive coordinators on your schedule. Sean McDermott in week three against the Buffalo Bills. If you don't think you're going to see exotic pressure packages going up against that group, you're fooling yourself. Vance Joseph, week one. Against the Arizona Cardinals, you are going to see exotic packages. So be ready for it, man. I honestly am am eager to see how he handles it. I think Sam is a smart kid, and as as he continues to see more coverages, he will diagnose them much quicker. Let's go to Andre in Manassas. What's going on?
0: And Linnell, you know, I got a call shenanigans on uh, your hyperbole and histrionics when it comes to our boy Howell. I mean, by by your calculations and I don't know how much is going on in Carolina. Carolina might as mail in the season because Bryce Sharon got sacked like three or four times and didn't do anything. I mean, I think how... Andre, are you
3: are you, are you just tapping it midway through the conversation because you sound kind of crazy right now, buddy? You want to no, reiterate man, what I, I just said? He's not going to be perfect. I feel like the fan base
0: won. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, he took a sack. And I, I hear why, a lot of people... Hold on, Andre. Why did,
3: why did he take the sack, Dre?
0: Did, was it Sam's fault or was it Wiley's fault? I mean, I know you said something no, about, you know.
3: No, buddy, buddy. Did you watch? delayed was a delayed, a delayed blitz came. He was supposed to get the ball out hot. He was responsible for the free rusher. He didn't pick yeah. it up. He didn't throw the ball yeah. to the hot route because he hasn't seen a multitude of coverages throughout his career. He's got one start. That, if they would have played him more well last year, if they would have played and him more well. last year, Andre, yes. he would have been more well-versed in seeing these exotic pressure packages that, that he's going to see all true, year. But,
0: but. But sacks, sacks happen. Sacks are part of the game. I mean, you, you know, you're not going to have a season where no one, a quarterback well, doesn't get I'm not saying that,
3: but it. if you can if you can avoid <laughs> and, and help your mistakes not happen as frequently, you'll be better off for it. They put themselves in this position. So all the growing pains that he's going to have at the early portion of the season, we could have gotten that out of the way last year, but they were farting around with Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke. I
0: think they were probably trying to play the best quarterback what they thought at the time. Wow. I will say this. But uh, yeah, it's a different argument, I suppose. I will say this. I mean, <laughs> I you know, he's a young guy. He's a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. Um, as long as I think we have a reasonable expectation, expectation on the, on the lad, I think we'll be fine. But to your point, yeah, I mean, he, showed, he as far as I'm concerned, he checked all the boxes that I would like to see for someone, you know, who's has as much or will experience as he has. He, he looks the part, man. I, I was pleasantly happy. And, you know, everyone says you don't know what he's going to be yet. But we do know, I think, at the very least, he's, he's going to be a, a darn good quarterback. And I, for some reason, I also think his availability, they said the best ability is availability. I, I think this youngster right here might be able to play the entire season without getting injured, man. Wow,
3: Andre, you should put some money on that one, man. Appreciate the call as well. That I was with the Andre until you said he's going to play all 18 games. The last time a Washington quarterback has started every game during the regular season, I think you got to go all the way back to Kirk Cousins. It's been a very, very long time. Uh, since that's happened. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we will continue to recap Washington's preseason opener from Friday night against the Cleveland Browns. We got Linnell's preseason progress report. I'll give a pass or fail grade for every position group based on Friday night. That's next here on The Fan. Welcome back. It's overtime here on 106.7 The Fan and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, taking you up to 10 o'clock tonight before we hand things over to the JR Sport Brief. Coming up in about a half hour, our pal Logan Paulson, the co-host of Odyssey's Take Command podcast. He is set to join us to give us his thoughts and analysis from week one of the preseason. The Washington Commanders, did I mention it, Chris? 1-0 during the Josh Harris era, baby. So uh, definitely excited to catch up with the Bruin coming up top of the 8 o'clock hour. Right now, we're going to try something a little special here tonight on Overtime. Never done one of these before. As I was getting ready for the show tonight, I said, you know what? I feel like Mrs. Duckworth. Mrs. Duckworth was Linnell's fifth grade teacher. Mrs. Duckworth was not very kind to Linnell on his progress report. So I figured I would give my Washington Commanders preseason progress report. We're going pass or fail for each position group on the roster. Let's start with the quarterbacks. Pass. There we go, Chris. That a boy. Oh, look, love the play of both Jacoby Brissett. And Sam Howell. Hell, I even thought when Jake Fromm got in the game, he was getting jiggy with it. All in all, in terms of this quarterback room this year compared to last year's, night and day. Night and day. The only true, real criticism that I have from Jacoby Brissett, who we didn't really mention, situational awareness, buddy. Him and Andrew Wiley lacked situational awareness on Friday night. To be in plus territory, With 17 seconds on the clock, in an end-of-half situation, you have three timeouts, and you come away with no points. You throw a YOLO ball that ends up getting picked off. Sorry, Jacoby Brissett. That angers me. But outside of that, Jacoby runs for a touchdown. Jacoby hit Byron Pringle on a beautiful deep ball. He hit Marcus Kemp on a beautiful deep ball. Unfortunately, Kemp not able to get the feet down in bounds. But boy, oh boy. Thought it was a really good performance, though, all in all, from both of the quarterbacks. Uh, Sam Howell, we talked about him in the last segment. I feel like as we continue to progress throughout the summer and the beginning portions of the regular season, you will see the growing pains with Sam Howell, but I promise you, if I know what I think I know about slinging Sammy Howell, they will not continue. Let's go to the running backs. Pass! Look, I thought the running backs played well. Brian Robertson and Antonio Gibson both kind of played sparingly. You saw Antonio Gibson Play a little bit deeper into the first half, and I feel like there were some fans who were maybe alarmed by that. I promise you, it's A-OK. His roster spot, not in jeopardy. I actually love the decision from Eric Biennemi to play Antonio Gibson in that end-of-half situation because guess what? So what his role is going to be during the regular season? Love what I saw from A.G. Brian Robinson ran hard and broke a couple tackles. Uh, There was one run that I know Antonio Gibson wants back because if he would have broke the shoestring tackle, he probably rips off 20 to 35 yards. The backup running backs as well, man. Derek Gore, the former Kansas City back, I thought showed well for himself. But if I'm being honest, I got to walk back a statement I made on draft night. I was not a fan of them selecting Chris Rodriguez, the six-round pick out of the University of Kentucky. He had fumbling issues during his time in the SEC. He had a DUI before his senior season started. I, I just wasn't on board with Chris Rodriguez. But what I saw from him on Friday night burst explosion running with damn good pad level it seems like Washington has a really good problem on their hands because when it comes down to trying to make this 53-man roster the running back position may give them some issues let's move to the offensive line who I'm also going to give a passing grade to I know you all are probably like huh how can the offensive line get a passing grade Andrew Wiley stunk that may be true Andrew Wiley was not the best Two drive-killing penalties from the Washington commander's starting right tackle in free agent acquisition from the Kansas City Chiefs. Can I ask this? And this is a rhetorical question. Was, was he messing up like this in Kansas City? Holy crap. And I went and researched it. He was. Andrew Wiley gave up nine sacks last year. Third most in the National Football League via pro football focus. I was very critical of the signing when they made it this offseason and Friday night did not do anything to ease my concerns, I'll give Andrew Wiley a failing grade himself. But the offensive line, I'm going to give a pass. I thought it was a really good performance overall from them. Uh, Charles Leno on the first play from scrimmage had his worst play of the night. But after that, he kind of cleaned it up. Uh, he gets whipped by Zedaria Smith. And they end up making a tackle for loss on Brian Robinson. All in all, though, I thought Sam Howe on numerous occasions had super clean pockets. There was one play in particular where he checks it down to Jahan Dotson. The middle of the pocket opens up like the damn Red Sea. He could have taken off for 10, 15 yards. Decides to throw it to his wideout. All in all, I think the pass protection was better than I expected. But there is the asterisk next to all of this. No Miles Garrett on Friday night, which is the best pass rusher, arguably in the National Football League. Definitely the best, the best pass rusher on Cleveland. Uh, Washington didn't get to see him Friday night. But all in all, I thought this offensive line did well. They were able to create some holes in the running game. I thought the second and third units as well showed showed some good things, creating holes for those running backs. My only question for this commander's offensive line moving forward, depth, depth, let's call it what it is, specifically at the tackle spot, because outside of Cornelius Lucas, you don't really have a tackle on this roster that's a backup, that's really played significant snaps in the National Football League. So the offensive line I would definitely be paying attention to moving forward, it's Linnell's preseason progress report. I almost forgot what we were doing here. Wide receivers passing great. You're probably like, wow, Linnell's the easiest grader on the East Coast. Hell yeah, I am. Or the commander's receivers just play it really well. Jahan Dotson gets into the end zone for this group. Makes a hell of a catch. Sam Howell, a little bit high on the ball. uh, But Jahan making the quarterback right nine times out of ten. Breaks the tackle in route. Uh, to to a big-time play. His college teammate, Mitchell Tinsley, someone who was running with the twos and the threes, he made a big-time catch for 27 yards. The reason I give the wide receiving group a passing grade, and I felt this way during OTAs and mandatory minicamp, that group has some surprising depth when it comes to the fourth, fifth, sixth receiving spots on this football team. There's going to be some talented guys who end up getting cut. I believe that 110%. There are some talented guys who I think are going to end up being practice squad players or will or they end up on someone else's roster. But all in all, thought the receivers played well Friday night. Let's go to the defensive side of the football. I want to start with the defensive line. Mm. Failing grade for me, and here's why. If you listen to overtime yesterday, I was very critical of the starting defensive line's performance. Wanted to see them get off blocks better. Deshaun Watson and company marching down the field on a 12-place, 67-yard drive. That eats up seven minutes of game clock. Ladies and gentlemen, ultimately, though, one passing grade along the defensive front. Montez Sweat coming up with a big-time goal line stop. Him and Emmanuel Forbes converging to allow no points for this Washington commander starting defense. We took a bunch of calls on this topic yesterday. I'll be honest with you. Might have been a slight overreaction, but I'm just holding that group to higher standards than everybody else. Thought Chase Young did some really nice things as well. Passing grade for number 99. I said it at the beginning of the offseason. Yeah, I feel like I flip-flopped. My my stance is going to maintain the same on this. Chase Young and Montez Sweat, one of them. I don't know who it's going to be. One of them is going to reap the benefits of playing next to John Allen and De'Ron Payne. I was talking about maybe sprinkling a little bit of cash on Chase Young for a defensive player of the year prop. But in all honesty, with all the talent Washington has up front, I don't think either of the front four is going to have a high enough sack total where they can even win that award because all of them are going to end up eating. Let's go to the linebacker position. Mm. Failing grade from that group, I put a lot of the running defense woes on the linebacker position. A combination of Cody Barton. We saw Jamin Davis. We saw Khalid Cutson, We saw Milo Eifler. I thought the reserves played a tad bit better than the starters. Cody Barton looked like a chicken with his head cut off at times, was a little bit slow dissecting and reading and reacting to plays. That's a group that this fan base has scrutinized a lot this offseason and in years past. I feel as if Washington trying to phase that position out of the defense because they've got such great safeties that are versatile, guys that can play in the deep half and guys that can play in the box. So when you got dog safeties like Washington has, the need for your linebacker kind of goes away. But if Friday night was any indication of how Washington's going to stop the run during the regular season, whoo, definitely need to uh, worry a little bit. I won't sound the alarm, but I'll worry just a little bit. Let's go to the secondary, cornerbacks. <laughs> Passing grade for that group. I say it all the time, and I want to just, I'm going to grade the secondary as a whole because we're up against the break here. Corners and safeties, I thought did a hell of a job. Your boy knows a little bit about football. Who's the name? that I've been raving about all summer long, Christian Holmes. He comes out, makes play after play after play after play on Friday night. This cornerback room, in terms of four through six or four through seven, depending on if they keep seven corners or not, I feel like it's four guys fighting for three spots. Christian Holmes, Tariq Castro-Fields, who they signed off waivers this offseason out of Penn State. You got Danny Johnson, who's been here since the damn Jay Gruden era which is crazy he survived that long. And then you got my boy, Rashad Wild Goose, who last year, during his debut against the Philadelphia Eagles in week three, you saw a little bit of the issues with him, but confidence is a big thing when you play cornerback and play in the secondary. He's improved so much this offseason, trusting his eyes more, not playing with his hands, and using the athleticism that he has. I think all in all, though, this secondary, as I said a couple of weeks ago, by the time the season's over, This secondary may rival the defensive front as the best position group on this entire football team. That was Nell's preseason progress report. We'll take a quick timeout when we come back on the other side of the break. I want to take calls. MGM National Harbor listening lines wide open. 1 800 636 1067 is the number. As we sit here about two or three days removed from the preseason opener, what areas do you need to see the commanders improve on to feel confident about this group? Heading into the regular season. I'll tell you what I'm questioning still next. This is the fan. Coming up in about 19 minutes, a pal Logan Paulson, the co-host of Odyssey's Take Command podcast with Craig Hoffman. He is set to join the program. He'll give us his thoughts and analysis from a week one of the NFL preseason, including his thoughts on the Burgundy and gold. I didn't even think about this because I'm no longer going. Joint practices start with the Baltimore Ravens tomorrow, so I definitely want to get Logan, Tom- Logan Paulson's perspective on that. I almost called him Logan Thomas. Too many tight ends named Logan here in D.C. The big fella, former UCLA Bruin, Logan Paulson, set to join us top of the 8 o'clock hour. Right now, though, I want to take your calls, man. MGM National Harbor listener lines wide open. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. You can tweet at me as well. It is at N-E-L-L underscore b We've pretty much broken down every angle of the preseason opener for your Washington Commanders. My question out there for you all, what areas do you still feel like this team needs to drastically improve at heading into the regular season? And I kind of touched on it, when a pal Dre Manassas called. I want to see Sam Howell improve. I know you all are probably thinking, huh? Sam Howell played brilliantly on Friday night. He did. He did. But there are areas of his game that need to take a step forward if this football team is going to reach their goals come the fall. One of them I've already harped on, and I really don't feel like it's his fault. Genuinely speaking, I really don't. The sack that he took. I said it earlier, and a fan tried to jump on me. I'll repeat it again. I don't feel like the sack that Sam Howell took was Sam Howell's fault. I really don't. Yes, he was responsible for the free rusher. Yes, he did not get the ball out quick enough. Yes, he eventually ends up taking a sack that puts this offense behind the chains and off schedule. All that is factual. I know this is going to sound like a cop-out and like I'm making excuses for Sam Howell, just calling it what it is. It's Ron Rivera's fault that Sam Howell took that sack. And you all are probably thinking, huh? Ron coaches defense. What are you talking about? This group, for whatever reason, waited until week 18 to play Sam Howell. Because of that, you're going to see the growing pains during the regular season, like you saw on Friday night in the preseason. I went through some of the defenses that Washington is going to take on during the regular season. Let's be honest as to why that sack happened. It was an exotic pressure that was sent from Cleveland, something that you don't traditionally see in a preseason contest. He's going to see that plenty during the regular season. The first four games of the season, Arizona. At Denver, home for Buffalo, at Philadelphia, I'll even throw the Bears in there. Led by Matt Eberflus. The way to rattle young quarterbacks, and this isn't just Sam Howe, is to throw different exotic pressure packages at them that they just simply have not seen before. And that's what happened on Friday night. If you don't think, if you don't think that the other Defensive coordinators around the National Football League are watching that Cleveland tape saying, you know what? It's really hard to find any flaws in this kid Sam Howe's game since we first seen him in real action. But the one thing that I have noticed with him pressure bust pipes. If you can confuse Sam Howe pre snap, if you can muggy up the coverages and make him uncertain about what he's seeing, it throws the the, the, the whole timing off of this West Coast offense, which is a timing-based offense, predicated on the quick game, the screen game, and taking shots down the field off of play action. If you can mess up the timing of this offense, you'll see Sam Howe struggle. The one thing he did really well Friday night, when he got to that fifth, fifth step in his drop, the ball's out, boom. When he gets to the third step in his drop, the ball's out. The one area, the one area, where I feel like he needs to improve is recognizing coverages and recognizing blitz packages, which he'll get better at with experience. And then the other thing that I didn't like Friday night that I feel like not a lot of people mentioned, I want to see Sam Howell step up into the pocket, not reverse pivot and spin backwards. Every time he saw pressure on Friday night, it was him escaping the pocket east and west. Can we see him step up and find throwing lanes? I understand it's hard being a shorter quarterback. But if he is going to last and make it in the National Football League, he's got to improve in that area of his game. I was thrilled to see him leave the pocket and show off the mobility and create plays off schedule. Oh, that's great. I'm nitpicking here. I'm nitpicking, admittedly so. Want to see him step up in the pocket more. Outside of that, I told you all, I thought the performance was flawless from Sam Howe. But that's an area that may end up hurting this football team if he doesn't get better at it, another area that needs to be improved that I'm really concerned about, I talked about it in the last segment the depth at offensive tackle. Hell, I'll open it up and make it even a bigger situation. The depth along this commander's offensive line as a whole. There was a report out from practice this afternoon. Starting right guard Sam Cosme apparently hyperextended his knee, had to miss a few snaps. But the reaction that we saw on Twitter. From my colleagues on the beat to to fans on Twitter, everyone was in a panic. It was almost like the season had ended if Sam Cosby goes down. It just speaks to the lack of depth that you have up front. And it's crazy because during the entirety of my fandom, that's been the area that Washington has been hit with the most attrition. Was it last year where they played six different centers? Was that last year that that happened? I mean, you would think they would learn from their mistakes. The lack of depth along this commander's offensive line is alarming. They are one injury away at any spot except for center. Except for center, because I really do like Ricky Stromberg and Tyler Larson. I think Ricky Stromberg, people are going to say I'm crazy for this, may end up supplanting Nick Gates before the season is over. That's just me. But I want to see the depth improve along this offensive line. And I don't want to wait until cut down day to do it although that may be the most opportune time, go out and address it now. Be aggressive. That's why these joint practices with the Baltimore Ravens are going to be so crucial. You get to get a look at Mason Brooks against someone else other than your guys. You get, you get to get a look at Aaron Montero against your guys. I mean, against someone else not your guys. A lot still to be proven along that offensive line. I'll reiterate what I said during the opening segment, though. About the starters outside of Andrew Wiley, actually did a pretty good job uh, on Friday night in the preseason opener. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. Let's go out to San Antonio. My man, Byron, is out in San Antonio. What's going on, Byron? What do you need to see improve heading into the regular season?
0: Uh, Let's see. What do I need to see improve? I need to see my head coach stop talking about my offensive coordination. My offensive coordinator spite him at every chance he gets about what he does and what he doesn't do. As uh, far as the defense, I love the backs, but I would like for them to cover, press cover some more, and stop playing a two deep zone once we get a lead. And then, uh, other than that, just finish playing. Everything else was good to me. Oh, and then should go ahead and uh, cut Dax mouth as it is. Talk about Dax him. Milne? Whoever, that's whatever his name is. He Dax. needs to be gone. He doesn't turn up the field at all when you kick the ball. They don't have him
3: on the roster to be a kick return to Byron. He's a pretty good wide receiver. Appreciate the call, man, as always. A lot of Dax Milne hate out there in the Commander's Twitterverse, the Commander's Universe, whatever the hell you want to call this wild fan base. No one likes Dax Milne. I think it's very crazy. There was plenty of reason not to like him last year after he was messing with, was it Zach Wilson's mom he was messing with, or or was Zach Wilson's girlfriend's mom? Either way. Mr. Fashion over himself, Dax Milne, I think is probably going to make this roster. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, top of the 8 o'clock hour, our pal Logan Paulson is set to join the program. He'll give us his thoughts on the preseason opener for the Washington Commanders and what he expects heading into this week's joint practice work against the Baltimore Ravens. All that and more next here on The fam.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue.